Hello and welcome to ZF1 Amateur. My name is Humura Ruth and I host the show. I hope you're doing great. I hope you're doing lovely. And if it's not going well for you, you know what I always say, take it to the Lord in prayer. Welcome to today's episode. Now, we all miss our Formula One. I miss my Formula One. I don't know about you, but I really do. And um, last weekend, we had preseason testing in Bahrain. Now, I was supposed to do an episode on that, and I didn't, but I, it will be coming up in the in a few days' time. Just wait for that. But other than that, what has kept me entertained is the new season of Netflix Drive to Survive series that just dropped today. In fact, I was on my phone last night. I slept a bit late. Not late. I don't know. It depends on you. I slept at 1. And I kept, you know, by 1 um, a.m. I was listening to a podcast, a new podcast that I found. It's called the HYM Podcast. By It's a motorsport podcast. You guessed it. <laughs> and I think it has um, drivers in Formula 1, I think, and MotoGP. And yeah, I was listening to that. And then after I finished listening, to which I was like, oh my god, today's the 19th of March. Is it the 19th? Yeah. So, and Netflix said they would drop the Drive to Survive season 3 on 19th March. So I went and checked Netflix on my phone and it wasn't there. The season wasn't there. So I was like, ah, oh, you know what, let me go to, let me just sleep and I'll check it out in the morning. So in the morning when I woke up, I did check out the Drive to Survive um, season 3 and it was actually on my Netflix. So I watched only 3 episodes because of time. I had other things to do. And I decided to make a podcast out of it, to review it. Now, if you haven't watched the series, this is kind of a spoiler. But then again, if you love Formula 1 and you've been watching Formula 1 races, you actually know what's going to happen. Because if you watch the Formula 1 races, you know who won, who didn't win and all that. But what you don't know is what happened behind the scenes. And I think that's what this series gives you, the behind the scenes of what happens in Formula 1. So if you haven't watched the series and you don't like spoilers... I advise you not to listen to the podcast any further, although you can come back and listen after. But if you do like spoilers and if you do like to have company when it comes to F1, sit back, relax, and let me bring you Formula One. Okay, sorry for interrupting the show, but you probably love motorsport because you're listening to my podcast and I'm grateful for that. So if you love Formula E motorsport, the motorsport series, why not listen to my newest Formula E podcast called Z Formula E podcast? It's all about motorsport. I bring you the latest races in motorsport, the drivers, what happens in the tracks and off the tracks and why Formula E is a newer sport you should be interested in. So just look for Z Formula E podcast on your favorite podcasting platform or Google Z Formula E podcast and you'll be sure to listen in. And then, aside from that, yes, I'm a woman of many talents and many passions. I also have a podcast dedicated to the beauty of Uganda. As you know, I am from Uganda. I'm from Kampala, Uganda. And I love to share the beauty of Uganda with the rest of the world, which is why I started my other podcast called Z Humura Show. So if you'd be interested in that, just look for Z Humura Show on your favorite podcasting platform or Google Z Humura Show. All right, let's go back to Formula One. 
All right, so welcome back from that short break. Let's dive into it. So, I am I just watched season 3 of Netflix Drive to Survive series. You can tell from the title of the podcast and everything I just said before that. But I didn't finish watching the entire series. So, I watched the first 3 episodes. And the reason for that is usually when it comes to like my very favorite um TV shows or whatever shows I'm watching or movie or something, I like to watch it when I'm very relaxed with maybe a whole cup of chocolate or whatever it is i just like to watch it in like a peaceful environment and uh today morning was not that kind of environment so i just watched only three episodes and i was like i'm going to leave the next seven episodes for like the perfect time you know i don't know what time it would be probably saturday in the in the middle of the night or sunday night is sunday tomorrow no sunday the day after tomorrow yeah in the middle of the night and just you know enjoy it um all by myself and have a good time with it but anyway i watched the first three episodes and i really loved them so i thought why not review them okay now let's dive into it so episode one of course um they give us um i don't want to spoil it too much i just want to talk about the things that i really really enjoyed so the very first episode um, was about the bwt racing point team saga um, I did an episode on this, by the way, interestingly, because last year, 2020, there was some sort of saga, not some sort of saga, there was a saga in which BWT Racing Point, Formula One team, I'm just going to call it Racing Point, I don't know why I said that whole name out, in which Racing Point was accused of using parts from the Mercedes W, um, from the Mercedes car that won the championship in 2019. So we all know that's illegal because as a team, you're supposed to build the car by yourself as a team and you could get other parts from the, from other teams, like an engine, but that has to be within the regulations. So what happened in this episode one, basically it was just, you know, looking back six months prior to, you know, the, um, the very first, uh, I think preseason testing in Barcelona and we were looking at racing points unveiling their car and how pink the car was how beautiful the car was and all that and then by the way thank god the new aston martin car is green because i like pink but all too much pink is annoying but then um fast forward to preseason testing in barcelona the car comes out and it looks like the mercedes of 2019 and it actually performs way better than the racing point car should have being able to perform i mean if you put in a miracle there and all that so it was you know teams being skeptical about the car and wondering what happened and you know on the side of racing point they were arguing you know that they did everything right that they put in the money they put in the dedication they put in the hard work and it was all paid off what was interesting is that there was a part in this in that episode um when a reporter was talking to lance stroll and asking him you know I think I quote the reporter was saying, you may not have been looking at the numbers we were, but being around the same pace as Ferrari can't be a bad thing. And then Lastrol answered, and I quote, no, but yeah, it's early days. So we'll see. We'll see. Sun is shining. We're in Barcelona. Could be worse. Life is good. End of quote. And he said all of this with like, uh, he had this green on his face, this mischievous green, like as though he knew something was actually, you know not right that's just me perceiving it that way but yeah so i did i'd say i did a full podcast episode on this that's why i didn't want to dwell too much on episode one of a series because i did a full podcast episode on this just scroll through the channel and um first forward so let me spoil it for you first forward um 
Renault complains because honestly the racing point car was super fast and it was fast in you know I think one thing that Formula One cars find hard if you, is um when it comes to braking in the corners if your car can you know if you can handle the braking system very well then you're able to you know brake better gain more speed around the corners and ultimately perform better as a team and so in 2020 the racing point car was just flying off the hook it was doing what the Mercedes that won the championship in 2019 was doing and so there was a bit of questions that did um the racing point you know copy too much of the mercedes did they obtain certain things from the mercedes 2019 car illegally and put them on their 2020 car there was a question and i answered it in my previous podcast and of course on the side of racing point they were talking about how they did all the hard work how they did you know everything right and you know they did it by the books and all that but you can tell you could tell Christian Horner wasn't convinced. You could tell um Cyril Abitable, um Renault team principal wasn't convinced. You could tell, you know, even the Haas guys, they, they just had this look on them like, I'm not sure you guys pulled off that by yourselves and all that. So that happens and we they leave it at that in, in the very first episode. But of course, I'm pretty sure throughout the season you're going to see them tackling it out. And ultimately at the end of the season it ended up um with um Racing Point paying a fine to the FIA, paying a lot of money to the FIA and um you know losing some points for using illegal parts in their car. But fast forward we see the drivers going to Australia, pretty nice place. I have to say I love Australia. I've never been, but I want to be. I want to go. I think it's a beautiful place. And the, and then the drivers arrive, and it looks like the race is going to happen. But, of course, due to the COVID pandemic, the race doesn't happen in Australia, as it was planned before. And it started, I think, with um, two people in the McLaren team showing symptoms of having COVID-19. And then later on, their mechanic testing positive for COVID-19 which ultimately led McLaren to pulling out of Formula One. In fact, I listened, I think, to a podcast when Daniel Ricciardo was talking about how when he read the text message um, that McLaren had pulled out of Formula, out of the race in Australia, he knew that the whole race thing was going to be cancelled. So the following day, the race in Australia was cancelled. And um, then we had a very, very long break between you know, Formula One races. Actually, I think it was the longest break in Formula One history in which we didn't have races because it was about 217 days without a Formula One race, which had never been heard of. So that was pretty, it was pretty intense. I mean, and and I guess it's uh, from the side, you know, Christian Horner was talking about, you know, from the side of people who work in Formula One, that's their livelihood. They earn money from it. They, they need money and they need to survive as well, you know. So there was a bit of some people were like, oh, the races shouldn't be cancelled and all this and all that. And then for the medical side, for the safety of other people, I always say the safety of people comes first. It, it made sense to cancel the races so that FIA and Formula One sit down together and, you know, make it um, make a program that supports races in an, in, a, in an environment that's, you know, safe for everyone, safe for the fans, safe for the drivers and everyone, because it doesn't make sense to race while people are falling sick and, you know, um, getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So anyway, fast forward to Syria and still in 2020. That has that had been 217 days without a Formula One race. It was long, and on the side of the fans, of course, it was 
It was not nice. Because remember, in lockdown, I actually didn't like lockdown at all. I did obey the rules. I really didn't like it. I didn't like being stuck in one place. So you're stuck in a place. You don't even have your favorite spot going on on TV. So it was nerve-wracking as well. But yeah, fast forward to Syria 2020. And we got to see our very first F1 race. But it was done differently. Of course, actually, there, were cl- there was clips being shown. You should watch the series. I don't want to... Div- to give to give away too much but you should watch it we saw empty workplaces red bull technology center i think red bull technology center or where they make the red bull f1 car it was empty that was in milton Keynes. um at the McLaren mclaren technology center was empty all the workplaces were empty everyone was being was doing work at home and i do understand that sometimes i think Okay, this wasn't in the series, but I did hear a story of someone, you know, losing their job in Formula One because of, you know, teams had to downsize, teams had to cut back on their budgets, cut back on their costs, especially the smaller teams. Those ones were hit really badly by it. Apparently, the Australian Grand Prix not happening cost, lost, cost or lost, made Formula One anyway, lose about 40 million um, uh, pounds in revenue on the race day itself so there was a lot that people were losing some people lost jobs some people you know got sick and not exactly in formula one but you know near formula one around formula one so it was it was a tough time not just for people who missed watching the sport but yeah first forward in july 2020 the first race happened in austria syria and it was an interesting one it wasn't short of drama and i loved the way formula one handled it because as much as we didn't have fans on the uh, on the grandstands or in the paddock um there was um when you they showed us a clip when drivers were coming into the paddock at in syria in austria they could yeah there was um big screens on the sides of a paddock and drivers could interact with the fans in fact daniel ricardo was talking to a fan via you know i think were they were the fans zooming in or video calling but there were big screens in which the fans could talk to the drivers that was pretty cool i think so give some fans of course not very few fans could get an opportunity to you know video call you know, and, and, and see george russell or see daniel ricardo but i think that was a good pretty good initiative and um there was rigorous testing I so there's a point this was interesting there's a point when London Norris came in and he wanted the access into the paddock and then they uh, that they checked his temperature and then the the chick the lady that checked his temperature was like oh you're too hot and then he was like you see that's a problem I'm not really too hot something made a joke out of it and all that but you know that goes to show how serious it was and then there were face masks everywhere something we weren't used to in Formula One no hugging and all this and that but of course we did see hugging here and there when you know podiums were one and all this but I have to um, commend F1 for doing a pretty, pretty great job. I heard at the end of 2020, out of a thousand people, only one person would test positive with the only one person I think could test positive with the COVID um, virus. So that was a pretty, pretty good um, thing that they did when it came to safety and taking precautionary measures. They did a pretty good job in regards to the covid pandemic anyway so we did see the drivers coming and all that and um and then of course as usual before any race uh happens any grand prix happens you have practice sessions happening and so this is when the producer one of the producers from netflix asked claire williams um who was deputy deputy team principal at williams racing at the time and he and he asked her and he said um and i quote 
Mark said he doesn't need to do any practice. He just needs two laps. He will be switched on. End of quote. And to that, Claire Williams responded saying, and I quote, yeah, and that's what these guys, this, they're, they're the pinnacle, aren't they? And they should just be able to flip a switch and they're back onto it. End of quote. So immediately Claire Williams said that. Then they showed us Nicholas Latifi in practice, you know, going so fast at the corner, then spinning onto the gravel and then crashing into the barrier. And it was just so sad. It was so sad. The contrast between, you know, the conversation that just happened in which Max Verstappen was just doing so well after taking so long without practicing in an F1 car. And then Claire Williams saying, you know what, these guys are just natural at it. And then his driver just crashes at literally the very first chance he gets to crash. That was pretty sad. And then we go to so see was another interesting um, um, bit that we see. I didn't really take notice of this when watching the race no more, yeah. So we also got to see um, different things being done. Mercedes always takes it up a notch as usual. But this time they went in an interesting direction that starred um, Christian Horner's feathers. But um, so we got to see Mercedes, the Mercedes car. It had a different kind of steering wheel as compared to the steering wheels we used to seeing in Formula One. So what happened is that when Lewis was driving the Mercedes car, we got to see his onboard camera. And um, there were moments when he's coming into a corner, he could pull literally as if pull the wheel out of, you know, its socket, but not completely out. And then the tires would change and then he would push back the wheel in. I mean, the steering wheel in and then the tires would change. So what that was called was the dust system. So Mercedes came up with an interesting new dust system, which gave them the ability to control and the positioning of their tires and improve the grip on their tires, ultimately making them faster in the corners. So... Of course, when Christian Horner saw it, he was a bit puzzled. He was, everyone was wondering what is happening with the Mercedes car. Because you could see, I don't know if I explain it well. Lewis, you know, usually a driver, an F1 driver in the cockpit just, you know, turns the steering wheel to the to the right, to the left and pushes buttons here and there. But this time around, Lewis could actually, the driver, the Mercedes driver could actually kind of tug at the wheel, pull it out almost pulling it out of the socket, but not fully pulling it out of the socket. And then that would change the positioning of the tires and then push it back in and then change the positioning of the tires. It was an interesting development. And of course, Christian Horner was like, what is happening? What is happening? Are they gaining more advantage by having this? Of course they were. It was giving them extra speed in the corners. But And the question was, was it legal to have that kind of dust system in your F1 car? So... Christian Horner, of course, protested it against the FIA, but then um, the FIA did let Mercedes use that kind of steering wheel for the season. So you'll be able to see that in there. And then um, the <laughs> we did have a bit of a flashback uh, to Brazil 2019. I don't know if that brings any bells. Brazil 2019, when Alex Albon was supposed to get his very first podium in Formula One, but unfortunately, Lewis Hamilton took him out um, in a corner and pushed him into the gravel, and so he ended up spinning and losing out the, the podium. Alex Albon actually even made a joke out of it um, in the Rookies video on the Formula One YouTube page. You should, YouTube channel, YouTube channel, yeah? You should check that out. It was pretty funny how... Um, he made a fun out of it. But then when it happened again in 2020, that was not funny at all. It was not funny at all. So what happened is during practice, um, Alex Albon was doing pretty well. He was fourth fastest. London Norris, I think, was fifth fastest in practice. And then towards the end of um, 
no not in practice actually that was qualifying i'm messing it up in qualifying towards the end of qualifying norris london norris took alex albon's fourth position and ended up qualifying p4 but before the whole qualifying session ended Valtteri Bottas. I actually do know his name is supposed to be pronounced Valtteri Bottas. That's how he pronounces his name. So Valtteri Bottas actually spun onto the gravel and he did a 360. He did a donut on the gravel and that brought a lot of dust out. Now, um, Lewis Hamilton was coming out from the back, but when uh, Valtteri Bottas spun into the gravel, a yellow flag was brought out, you know, and then Lewis traditionally ideally what's supposed to happen is when the yellow flag is brought out you're supposed to drive with more caution and not drive as fast as lewis did but lewis ignored the the yellow flag and drove straight past valtteri bottas which to be honest is actually dangerous for me when it comes to the safety of the drivers i'm like i'm a hundred percent on it whether you lose a championship or what you better be safe you know and um lewis drove of course he ignored the yellow flag and drove so fast and his excuse was that there was a lot of dust he couldn't see the yellow flag and um leave it up to christian horner to investigate the whole scenario so uh so christian horner of course took matters into his own hands but before that at the end of the qualifying session this is how they qualified bottas was on pole i think lewis was number two and max was stopping was number three but when christian horner went and contested against lewis hamilton not you know respecting um the yellow flag the grid before the race changed so hamilton was pushed back three spots so he ended up in p5 and london norris took p3 which was the best start london norris ever had in formula one so the grid ended up this way. Bottas was on pole, Max number two, London Norris number three, Alex Albon number four, Hamilton number five. That's P5. That's how the race started. So the race started. So Lando was extremely happy because, to be honest, it was his best, you know, starting position in F1. I totally get that. And he's, he's young. It's interesting to get to see that. And he's, he's, he's a funny person naturally so the race started lando actually ended up on the cab there but then he recovered it no contact nothing bad happened alex albon was racing he actually passed lando norris and took lando's position so alex albon took became p3 lewis hamilton also passed uh lando norris and took up his position and then when they go to the streets lewis hamilton was in dr position drs position and straight so naturally he would you know overtake alex albon which he eventually did so hamilton passes alex albon and then, then the um these were the results at the moment it was bottas leading max verstappen second hamilton third alex albon fourth london norris fifth unfortunately max verstappen's engine fails and he's actually he goes to the pits and boxes and then the engine still fails and he's just out of the race i don't know what happened to his engine but then he fell um he got out of the race and ultimately there's only one red bull team driver on the grid and that's alex albon who is now in line to get his first podium and the strategy gets even better he goes out he goes out to the pits and gets new tires giving him an added advantage over the mercedes because mercedes hadn't pitted in and then Alex Albon comes out. He, of course, is naturally faster, newer tires, fresher tires, added advantage. There's a moment when he comes on the inside of Hamilton at a corner, but makes it out without any contact or losing a place or gaining a place, which was 
you know, it was pretty good what he did there. And then he goes again, this time on the outside of Lewis Hamilton. And then Lewis gently pushes him to the gravel. And ladies and gentlemen, it was deja vu all over again. Alex Albon ends up on the gravel, losing a podium for the second time. And this time around, I was like, what the heck is going on? I was pissed on his behalf. I was heartbroken on his behalf. Of course, Lewis gets got a penalty, got a five-second penalty for the collusion he caused. But honestly, I just feel like that five-second penalty would never, you know, I don't know, it would never do anything to bring Alex Albon's podium back. It would never soothe him. And uh, it was just... It was sad. It was sad. Alex Albon lost his podium again. And, you know, I felt for him because he's in, a t he's in Red Bull, you guys. Red Bull puts a lot of pressure on its drivers. It doesn't... I don't even feel... <laughs> you can't see the pressure, really, but you can feel the pressure. I don't know whether that makes sense because, remember, prior to that, Pierre Gasly had been demoted from Red Bull after just nine races. And Alex Albon comes in and every time he's almost getting a podium, he gets out. You know, he loses the podium. Of course, it's not his fault that he loses the podium. But does, that doesn't really matter in Formula 1. You have to deliver results. Look at Nico Hulkenberg. Nico Hulkenberg is a spectacular driver. By the way, rumors are that he's going to be the reserve driver for Mercedes. Anyway, Nico Hulkenberg is a spectacular driver, but he has never been on the podium. And whenever he's close to the podium, when he finishes P4, he's almost so close to the podium, but something just happens, something out of his control, and he just loses out on the podium. And now where, did, where was he last season? nowhere to be found in f1 so of course i feel the pressure on alex albon to deliver to get a podium to win because you can't christian horner himself had it said he once said it once you can't have one driver finishing first and the other driver finishing fifth it just doesn't make sense you have to do something about this fifth driver honestly so i felt for him he lost his podium it was pretty sad actually at the end of the race he looked like he was about to cry he couldn't even take off his helmet it was that sad it was that sad Anyway, so Lewis got a five-second penalty for the collusion. Now, and um, remember, he was ahead of Lando Norris. But see, the thing is, the gap between Lando Norris at the point, between Lando Norris and Lewis Hamilton was 6.5 seconds. Now, if you factor in the five-second penalty, it meant that uh, Lando Norris only had to cover 1.5 seconds of the gap to be end up on the podium. So on the final lap, boy, was I proud of Lando Norris, as if I knew him. On the final lap, Lando Norris pushed that car, you guys. He drove it. He gave it his best. It was so good. He took home the fastest lap of the race, I think. Yeah, he took up the fastest lap of the race and he covered the gap between him and Lewis and he brought it down to 4.8 seconds, which meant that he covered about 1.7 seconds to the Mercedes, giving him his very first podium in Formula One. That was pretty, pretty exciting to see you guys. And, you know, prior to, to the Netflix Drive to Survive season three, before that, he was talking, he once said, you know, how, you know, he wasn't fully featured in the Netflix Drive to Survive season two. And hopefully season three, he will be there. And season three, he was actually there. He spoke, he did literally the hell, the day said the hell, the whole episode was kind of on him. It was exciting, you know, seeing someone get their first podium. That's pretty exciting. And you hope it's not his last. You always have to hope that. But there was, that was some pretty good job. I mean, on the last lap, he pushed the car. He pushed it and pushed it and you know, I saw a good driver there because usually people say, oh, he's good at the simulator. He's good on his Twitch streams and all that. And what happens when he goes to the real track? And he just shut down all those, you know, and critics and proved himself. 
Now, the third episode, which is another episode I love. Honestly, I loved season three. I loved the second episode, Londoners. The third episode, Valtteribotas or Valtteribotas. I feel like it's hard to say that. But um, it was a pretty nice one. So this third episode, um, it starts off. And, you know, Valtteribotas says something. In the beginning there, he was like, you know, there's a saying that when, that goes around that whenever Netflix is around Mercedes, things tend to go bad. I don't know how true that is, but if you watch season two, Drive to Survive, when Mercedes was um, filming with Netflix, when uh, I think Mercedes allowed Netflix to film with them, things went south, things went south. I don't want to ruin that for you, you should see season two. Things went south. I'm talking real, real, real south. <laughs> but now this time around, things looked like they were going south and... Um, We'll talk about that. So it began, we had flashback. You know, for the first time, I got to see Valtteri Bottas, you know, for real. Um, I don't know how to say this, but usually when you watch Formula One, you see Valtteri Bottas and it's easy to judge him as, you know, as a driver who's, you know, who just comes number two. It's easy to be like, oh, he, why can't he just beat Lewis Hamilton? It's easy to be like, oh, why just, why can't he just make it? And, you know, the fact that we don't know where he's going to be in 2022 makes it all, you know, seem valid to say that because we got a flashback of what happened in 2017 at the Bahrain Grand Prix. I actually didn't like that tactic that was taken by Toto Wolf when Bottas was leading the race and then Toto Wolf, you know, took it upon of course his team principal, so he didn't take it upon himself. It was his job. So when Toto Wolf ordered that Bottas stay out of the way and let Lewis pass and defend Lewis from um was it Sebastian Vettel in the Ferrari? So Bottas became number two and Lewis won the race. But ultimately, Valtteri Bottas had won that race. And it's so sad because you never have these statistics of, you know, Valtteri Bottas won the 2017 Bahrain Grand Prix. It will always be Lewis Hamilton won the 2017 Bahrain Grand Prix, which is pretty sad. So all those things, my sister is a big fan of Valtteri Bottas and she kept defending him. And she's like, you know, he's a good driver and all this and all that. And I was like, yeah, he's a good driver, but, you know, I don't see him give, you know, do good enough. Actually, a, a few months back, I listened to Dax Shepard's podcast when he interviewed Daniel Ricciardo. And Dax Shepard was like, you know. In some ways, Valtteri Bottas literally has the worst job in the world because he's in the best team in Formula One. And, he's, you know, he's he's he, he, he does well. He ends up being number two in the races, number two, number three, number two, number three. He gains um, his second in the championship. But somehow that is not seen as enough. It always is seen as though he's not doing good. He's, you know, he's lacking. He's just not such a good driver and all this and all that. And, you know, there's talk of George Russell coming to replace him and all that and all that. But I feel like this third episode, we got to see Valtteri Bottas very vulnerable. I'm talking very, very vulnerable to the point that we saw him going to, I think, a sauna butt naked. It was that vulnerable. But, yeah, that's not interesting. I was a bit shocked to see him do that. But, yeah. This is Netflix. So the times Valtteri Bottas should have won, but he didn't. And ultimately what the team was doing is it was trying to secure the championship for themselves as a constructors or for Lewis Hamilton. I kind of get the logic that, you know, if Lewis is leading in points and he's, you know, like five points away from winning a championship and Bottas is not points away from winning a championship. So it makes sense for Bottas to, you know, lose a race and Lewis wins it to just take the championship. I get that. But sometimes you also have to think about this guy who's, you know, working so hard to beat this championship, you know, holder. What 
who thinks about his feelings who thinks about you know what he goes through because he ultimately trained so hard and he definitely didn't come out here to be number two he came to win so it's pretty hard it's a tough sport you guys formula one is a tough sport Actually, there's a clip there in season three when um, Dr. Wolf was talking to a reporter and he was like, yes, I think Valtteri Bottas is one of the good wingmans that we have in Mercedes. And Valtteri straight up said, I hate that word. I hate being a wingman. And you got, you should watch that episode. Honestly, I saw Valtteri be vulnerable. And you got to see his girlfriend, Tiffany Cromwell, who's also a cyclist, who's an athlete as well. And um, how they talked about how the comments on social media do get up, get under their skin and all that. It's a tough spot the guy is in, but it doesn't mean he's a bad driver. He's actually pretty good. I told you the case of Nico Hogenback. He's good. But circumstances just fight against you sometimes. And I don't know what you have to do. I think you have to keep fighting like Valtteri Bottas did in Russia at the Sochi Grand Prix. Is it the Russian Grand Prix or the Sochi Grand Prix or something like that? So anyway, when it came to qualifying, um, uh, it was Lewis qualified on pole, Max Verstappen came second, and Bottas came third. Now, why Verstappen qualified second? Because Bottas gave him a tow. I don't know. You get the explanation in the in the Drive to Survive series. But what exactly happens is this: if an F one car is racing on a straight, and there's a car behind it. It makes it easier for the car behind it to drive smoother, to overtake it, because the car ahead is clearing the air for the car behind, which means the car behind doesn't have to clear any air. It just has to keep driving fast and fast and fast and fast. And that's what happened with Valtteri Bottas at the front and Max Verstappen behind in qualifying. And so Valtteri, you know, kind of created this clean air for Max Verstappen to pass in and become number two. So Max qualified second, um, Bottas qualified third, of course, with Lewis Hamilton on pole. I had forgotten to even tell you at the time the Russian Grand Prix 2020 it was a time in which um Lewis Hamilton was expected there was this expectation that he probably could equal Michael Schumacher when it comes to wins most formula 1 wins and um so of course there was pressure on Lewis Hamilton to win in Russia I don't know if the pressure was on himself or from the fans I really don't know because I knew eventually he was going to equal Michael Schumacher he was that good he's that good and so he wanted to equal Michael Schumacher in Russia. So I think he felt like he had to take pole position, which he ultimately did. And Bottas says something interesting. He's like, um, my job is to slow down Louis Hamilton's um, taking, Louis Hamilton's process of taking, of equaling Michael Schumacher. Not in bad faith, but for him to also win. Because at that point, uh, Valtteri Bottas has only eight wins in Formula One compared to someone who had 90 wins in Formula One. Surely you'd also want to take some part of that, you know, some something from a pie. You get you get what I'm saying. So Valtteri qualified second and he said something interesting. He's like, I don't understand why the team is not happy for me being qualifying third and Lewis qualifying first. It, it Because the total looked miserable that Valtteri had qualified second. Everybody looked miser miserable. And I was like, you know, if <laughs> if the Williams car could qualify third, they would probably throw a party and all that. But I don't know. The more you have, the more you want. That's the saying people say. And and Valtteri said this, and I quote him. If I did it on purpose, only I know. But I would have not made it into this sport if I wasn't selfish at times. End of quote. He said that in regard to qualifying third. Now, 
Voltaire also said something about qualifying third. He says, um, he talked about how everybody knows it's better to qualify third than to qualify second, which is something I never really thought about. I don't understand why he was saying that or why people do actually say it's better for you to qualify to qualify third than to qualify second. Naturally, you'd think the closer you are in terms of, you know, and the closer you are to pole position, the better your advantages are at winning the at winning the races. But I kind of see it. Okay, I'm going to give you my line of thinking. I don't know if it makes sense. But if you qualify second and there's someone qualifying first on pole position, the person in pole position has the best advantage. You know, when it comes to taking off at the beginning of the race, the person in second usually comes on from my... Just bear with me. Go with me. The person in second usually comes on... Um, Should I say it? Um, Is it um on the left of the person who's, who's in P1? Are you getting what I'm saying? So the person P1 and then P2. P2 is usually on the left of the person P1. So if you start on pole, that means you're going to go into the first turn on the inside of it, which gives you more advantage if you do pay attention to F1 races. When it comes to a corner, if you're on the inside of the corner, it gives you more advantage to come out, you know, with a position ahead or to come out faster. Now, a person in P2 is probably going to come out on the outside of that corner, which doesn't give you much position. But if you come P3, P3 is usually lined behind the P1 person, you know, the part, the driver in P1. So if you came in um, P3, I'm trying to think to see it from where Valtteri Bottas is coming from. If you came in P3, that means you're directly behind Lewis Hamilton. That means you also have an inside um, opportunity and rather than being on the outside on P2. Did I make sense or do I, did I confuse, confuse everyone? This is how I saw it, honestly. That's how I saw it. And I think that makes sense. You'd rather come P3, you'd rather qualify P3 than qualify P2. Because in P3, when it comes to the corners, at the very start of the race, you are the, you're on the inside of the corners, which ultimately gives you a position ahead, which ultimately gives you more, um, more advantage to overtake someone who's coming at a corner on the outside. That's what happens. That's what happens. Remember when um, Alex Albon uh, was spun onto the gravel in Syria, in Styria, Austria, the Austrian Grand Prix? He was on the outside. When you're on the outside of a corner, it's not very advantageous for you to take a position from a person on the inside of a corner. So it makes more sense for you to be on the outside of a corner. I mean, it makes more sense for you to be on the inside of a corner, which qualify, which makes Valtteri's saying of being P3 is better than being P2. That's my logic, you guys. That's my logic. That's how I look at things. I don't know if it makes sense. I hope it does. So anyway, that's how qualifying went in Sochi, Russia, 2020. Yeah, I told you. Um, Lewis on the pole, Max second, Valtteri third. And let me tell you, his logic made so much sense when you look at his results, how it turned out at the end of the race. So this is what happened. The race went on. Of course, Lewis Pan, he um, drove so fast, he was P1. Max Verstappen came in, you know, he was P2, he was racing. Um, Valtteri Bottas, P3. They raced, they raced, they raced, they raced, they raced. Oh my God, I forgot to tell you. But before, prior to the race, as the cars were coming out onto the grid, Lewis Hamilton made a mistake and um, he did a practice start before the start of the race, which is something you're not supposed to do in Formula One. Number one, it um, it's very dangerous for you to do because it, in terms of safety of the other cars, you're putting them at risk. And number two, nobody does that. It's not supposed to be done that way. And for goodness sake, if you're in pole position, just 
relax, you're going to win the race. Anyway, he probably had that pressure of, you know, equaling Michael Schumacher at the time. So that's why he did that. And he was a bit probably nervous. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Don't take it too seriously. Although I'm actually a pretty serious person. But yeah, so Lewis um, doing a practice um, start before the race made him get a 10-second penalty, which served in the favor of Valtteri Bottas. Now, that whole practice start, I don't want to explain it because there's a way I explain things and sometimes I feel like, do people actually understand my explanations or something? But what happened is you're supposed to drive out of the pits onto the grid before the race starts, you know? But Lewis Hamilton drove out of the pits and came close to, I think, the pit wall and actually kind of parked there for a while and then drove onto the grid. So the danger was that he was he could have been knocked by a car coming in, coming out of the pits from behind him. I don't know if I explained that well. But anyway, he got a 10-second penalty for that. And so what happened? The race went on. Of course, it was a tight race. You see that in the series. I don't want to spoil too much of that. And when it came to the pits, Lewis was supposed to serve 10 seconds. And so he went to the pits and he had to be there 10 seconds without his tires being changed. And that is a long time in a Formula One. That's a very, very long time. So Valtteri Bottas got the edge and swept and swept and swept. And uh, at the end of the race... Valtteri Bottas came out number one, making it his ninth win in Formula One. So Valtteri Bottas won the Russian Grand Prix. How exciting was that? Which, um, and to say, um, kind of nullified the saying he said at the beginning of the race that whenever Netflix is around, things go bad. Whenever Netflix is around, things go right for Valtteri, at least in this season, because last season it wasn't that case. But anyway... Um, Valtteri Bottas won the race. Max Verstappen came second. Lewis came third, missing missing his opportunity of equaling Michael Schumacher's um race wins. But he eventually did that later on in the season, as you watch and see. And that's when he said that iconic line. Is it iconic? But it's everyone. People printed it on t-shirts and all that. When he said to him, it may concern. Um, he swore a few. But, um, yeah, he won the race. It was pretty interesting. I got to see Valtteri like I never saw before. I got to see the guy we never really see. And I'm grateful for this series. I'm grateful for Drive to Survive. kind of gives you behind the scenes to see how, you know, politics is done in F1. You know, what really happens. Because sometimes if you're just a fan, you're watching in 2017, the Bahrain Grand Prix. And you just see this guy and you hear Toto Wolf on the radio telling him, you know, you have to let Lewis pass you, and he actually lets Lewis pass you. You're, you as a fan, you're just pissed off. You're like, okay, why couldn't you disobey, disobey team orders? Why couldn't you just, you know, I don't know, shut off your radio and just win the race or something like that? But there's more to it than we just see on the screens, and I think that's where Drive to Survive gives us an opportunity to kind of see that for ourselves and actually enjoy the play and the politics behind the scenes. So... And that's what happened in the first three episodes. I obviously didn't tell you everything because you should watch it. It is dope. So I did that. And um, this season, I love the fact that there are 10 episodes. So I've kept that next seven episodes for myself. I am going to wait for the perfect time in my life and just sit down <laughs> and, you know, turn the the volume up and just um, enjoy it. Like I'm meant to enjoy it and just have a freaking good time. I think what I'm excited excited to see is when Lewis Hamilton equaled Michael Schumacher getting his seventh world title. I'm also excited to see Daniel Ricciardo on the podium. I didn't talk about Daniel Ricciardo, but he's in there a lot as well. I also want to see um, what else Daniel Ricciardo on the podium. I want to see Romain Grosjean, his perspective on the Bahrain Grand Prix. Um, 
there's a lot. George Russell in the Mercedes at Sakia. <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. Did I tell you how I was praying so hard that George Russell doesn't win the race and he actually didn't win the race? And then I felt so guilty about it. I'll explain that later. But yeah, so there's a lot that's happening in Drive to Survive Season 3. I just reviewed for you the very first three episodes. You should go and watch the whole series. You will love it. And it's perfect because the weekend is coming up. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. Thank you so much for listening in. For listening in. <laughs> I hope you had a good time. And if um, if you can, please subscribe to the channel. Rate it, review it. I'd love that. That helps a lot. And um, if you'd like to get in touch, you can find me on social media. My handles are on Twitter. My handle is um, at Formula One Amateur. On Instagram, my handle is at ZF1 Amateur. I'll be sure to um, get in touch if you get in touch. And uh, so um, um, my email address is mbabaziruth77 at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening in. Until then, bye-bye.